you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, uh, Peter, you can get us going in a minute once I get out of here. No music, so you can just um, just start the top. Yeah, because that music intro was a disaster for me last time. I was <laughs> we'll, like, huh? We'll oh, he had no rhythm. No I rhythm. I do have I, no flow. Come I got on. rhythm. <laughs> I got rhythm. It just, I didn't hear him right. When the beat dropped, I was like, all right, <laughs> whatever. All right, I'm going to hit it in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the NFL Player Second Acts Podcast. I'm Peanut Tillman, and I got my guy, Roman Harper, with me. What's going on, Rome? Oh, man, I'm living my dream um, up here in Chicago. My wife has a marathon coming up, our first as a family. So we're not subbing in. She's doing all of it by herself. So I'm looking forward to cheering her on, brother. It's going to be a great time. And I got work in between. It's good, though. All right, it's cool. Yeah, so this show was about players and their post-NFL careers and what they're doing right now. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, This guy played 13 years in the NFL, played in two Super Bowls. He's a former All-Pro left tackle. And in 2021, he was inducted to the Philadelphia Eagles Ring of Honor. Y'all show some love for John Runyon. John, what's going on? It's all good. Another day in the grind, you know what I mean? (laughs) Another day in the grind. So you're an interesting player because you retired back in 2009. And unlike Roman and myself, you kind of got into something like really, really, really cool. So when did you know you wanted to get into politics? It literally fell into my lap. You know, it was one of those things where... At the end of the 08 season, my knee kind of fell apart, if you will. 
And it was mm-hmm. a, it was a progressive thing. It, you know, it went from, you know, bursitis to an MCL and then meniscus issues. And I was coming up on the end of my contract, actually in 08 playing in Philly, we lost to the Cardinals in the NFC championship game and contract expired. And I had a knee injury and I was in my mid thirties. I'm like, it's over. <laughs> you know, and you know, being the competitor that I am, people told me being in your mid thirties, you can't recover from a microfracture surgery in your knee. And I'm like, Oh really? I watched this. And it was, it was really that. So I went through, you know, I had surgery probably end of January. So January of 2009 and started, started chipping away at that. And, you know, about, I tried to get back on a couple of clubs early that uh, the 2009 season didn't really pan out. And late September, I got approached by friends of mine that were actually in state government that I've okay. known, you know, our kids went to school together and all that kind of stuff. And they actually have asked if you have ever considered about running for office. And I'm like, you know what? Never taken a political science course in my life. <laughs> don't, you know, you guys know, you don't talk politics in the locker room because it just right. divides people. No. Right. And, you know, it was just that I just didn't really have, you know, a political, I'd, frankly, at the time, I wasn't even registered, you know, I ran as a Republican, but I was a, I was an independent, you know, I'm never affiliated with a party or anything. So obviously if I I went on the the Republican ticket and, you know, had to go over there and register with them and, and do that kind of stuff. The odd thing was, you know, so that was in October. I wasn't picked up by a team. And probably right, right around election day. So probably right, right around this time of year, it was probably three or four days after election day. So basically next week from the point we're talking right now, I committed to it, but I told them, I goes, if I have the opportunity to get on a club and get my four games in and get another accredited season. Oh yeah. And we happen to be lucky enough to go to the Super Bowl. I go, I'll be back in late February. Game the system. I did the same thing. So that's really what happened. So it was like the it was uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Someone went down with the San Diego Chargers, and I got called. And two days later, I fly from New Jersey all the way out to California, and I'm out there for two months. You know, helping the Chargers do a playoff run. Ultimately, ended up losing in the second round of the playoffs that year. But you know, got those four games in. Hey, that's, hold that's, on, John. So, <laughs> I, I, hold on, hold on, because I didn't. I don't think I knew all of this. This is amazing. So, first of all, I had the same story where you know, microfracture, mid thirties. Everybody says you can't do it. I didn't do the surgery. Hats off to you for doing the surgery and being able to battle back for that. People don't understand microfracture is literally the worst knee surgery to recover from. Um, so, hats off to you for that. But the fact is. What was your campaign like the whole time? I got to know this campaign to where you're like, you yeah. know, hey, I'm all in for you guys. Hey, New Jersey all the way. But if I get the call, I'm out of here. Just letting you guys know. How did that conversation kind of go over? Were they all in with you or were they kind of like, come on, John, you got to be here with us? And were you the candidate for them? Because you got to be the biggest man in the room in every room you step into. Intimidation all day long. If you don't vote for me, oh, oh So um, unfortunately, politics is a dirty, dirty game. Right. And, you know, like life, life and business in general, it's all based on relationships. Mm-hmm. So when I decide to run for office, 
I have zero relationships because I've never run for, you know, school board. I've never run for, you know, you know, local township committee. I've never done anything like that. So I had the only people I knew in the business is because of our kids went to school together. Right. And it, and it was just very strange. So you had to build all those allegiances and jump through all those hoops and do all of that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, even today, somewhat, the climate kind of pushes like we need more outsiders. You know, we need people that mm-hmm. didn't grow up in the system, that are independent thinkers, that frankly, a lot of times just want to you want to shake the tree. You know, right. you're yeah. not just there on cruise control doing the fundraising, that kind of stuff. And, you're, you know, you're not you don't have any loyalty to anyone else that's helped you along the way. And. It, it was it, it was a, it was a struggle. I, I was fortunate enough at the time when I went through the process. Somehow, I I garnered the favor of Governor Christie at the time, and he was a huge help in the whole process because mm-hmm. he put a bunch of people in their places and said, "This is my guy. If you don't like him, I have a problem with you." <laughs> so that that's really what it came down to, and he he kind of got it going. But then again. He can do that, so he's believing in you. You yeah. still got to go out. You still got to, and it's no different than football. You got to go out and put the time in. You got to put the prep work in. You got to get up in front of people and speak. You got to go shake all the hands and kiss all the babies. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a grind. And it's I, I'll tell you, it, it's probably twice as much time as actually preparing to play a football game. What was the, what was the, like one of the toughest things that you didn't know going into politics? Like you're finally in politics and you go to D.C. and everything. Like what was one of the things that just shocked you most when you when you were there? I mean, a lot of it was new. It really took I mean, it took me like, you know, once I got elected and into office, it took me like nine months to get my bearings. OK, like what is the, you know, it's no different than being a rookie anywhere else. You know what I mean? But you, you think about the you know, the totality of, you know, you know, constitutional law, public policy and all this kind of stuff, something I've never studied in my life. Right. So, again, what happens? You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. You got to put a You got to put a team together that has the experience that, you know, isn't bowing down to the powers that be, if you will. And, you know, and they're free thinkers and, and, I was fortunate enough that I found those people, believe it or not, my chief of staff, I actually found through a connection I had at WIP Sports Talk Radio in Philadelphia. He used to be the press secretary in an office where she was the chief of staff and I ended up hiring her. It was the best thing ever. I mean, right. talk about an oddity, a relationship I had through playing for the Eagles and doing the player show on the radio. The guy introduces me to my future chief of staff. So it was just like, one of those one of those amazing things. And it was it was a challenge. But the big thing, I think, is, you know, you, you sit there and, you, you know, people that are successful are, are frankly, um, you know, very they look inward, very self-reflective, very honest about who they are, and what they are. And you go through the whole process and you're like, man, how the hell did I get elected? <laughs> I want to know that. That's you know I really mean? wanted to know that. I, mean, I want to know was there any was there any hazing? Do do pol- do politicians haze the freshman politicians? Do y'all like make them write extra speeches for y'all or like what? Make them take you out to dinner. Dinner or run up no, the tab. No, there, there wasn't a lot of hazing at all. I mean, 
But, you know, it's no different than being on a team, too. Like, you all have your cliques. So all of us rookies kind of hung out together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, the, the veterans and the old heads did their own thing. And it, it was just it was just different. But I, I'll tell you, you know, go back to that comment. It's like, how the, you know, how the heck did I get elected? And then you start watching people around you. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, how did that guy get elected? And he's been here 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like whoa <laughs> so it's just one of those things it's like and it's no different i mean when you look at the 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 broad stroke of stuff that you can accomplish you know at the federal level and all the different things you touch you can't touch it all you got to pick a couple niches you know yeah. I, I was fortunate enough um I got assigned to the Armed Services Committee. So our military base here in New Jersey is the second largest employer in the state. Um, I was chairman of the subcommittee in the Veterans Administration. And I was also on the Natural Resources Committee, which we have one of the one of the top fisheries in the whole in the whole country here off the coast of New Jersey. So it was just it was things that were very, very relevant to my to my constituency. And it, and it was something it was passionate about. And, you know, you guys know this when you when you're dealing with veterans and active military, we have a lot more in common than many people think, you know, oh, they do sure. yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. So it, it was it was a really natural fit for me, not only from a constituent standpoint, but from a, you know, a teamwork and motivational standpoint to be around all those type of people. With your time in Congress, what's the one thing that you're most proud of? Like your your greatest accomplishment in Congress? Like what's what's that one thing? Uh, I would say this, and I still get it to this day. Um, you know, you'd be you know on a on a Saturday or Sunday morning walk. You're walking down the street. I still get people to pull over and say, you know, you helped my brother out um, with all this uh, Veterans Administration red tape. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. He was yeah. in a really bad place. He's doing so well. That kind of stuff. And I mean, just saying that makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah. And it's that kind of stuff because that was the approach I took to the whole process. It was it was constituent services. You know, it, it's what a lot of companies lack a lot of time. The customer service aspect of it. A lot yeah. of people go into it because they have a desire to be political and drive those agendas and all that. No, I was there to serve. And that's what it was. That's what it was about for me. And frankly, that's what it should be. And I always say that that's why it's broken because it is more about politics than it is service. All right, John, I got a question though, because we all hear now, like you just mentioned, how politics is so you know vindictive. It's so this and that. Were you ever in there, saw somebody get up, say this like crazy speech, all these you know, very, very uh, active and being the biggest character. And then all of a sudden they come back and be like, oh, yeah, I was just putting on for the camera. Or they were just putting on. <laughs> Did you ever see that sense of, man, where do they get all this energy from? They're not that person's not normally like that. Either on, either on both sides. Um, the energy, I don't think is fake. I think part of the frustrating problem is when you when you think about, you know, when our when our forefathers founded this country, where that was true academic debate where they were off the top of their head. It was deep felt knowledge and passion and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. When you look at what we're going through now, it's a script. 
it's planned, it's read, it's all of that. It's not a lot of like debate and theory and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. the annoying part on it because you're sitting through it. It's like going to it's like going to a presentation and someone say, "Well, I don't want to read this to you." And what happens? They ended up reading the slides to you, <laughs> <laughs> and that that's what it was like. <laughs> okay, all right, and and tell me this. So if you want to, if anybody has never heard this before, or maybe has a passion or wants to get into politics, you're saying that you need to get on, you need to run for school board first. That's like the beginner steps of politics is like school board, very local level stuff. Then jumping into, into the big waters or you don't, John you don't Ryan, necessarily John Ryan have to, I mean, even, um, you know, even, uh, when I stepped down, the guy replaced the guy that replaced me, he had never been in politics. Yeah, he was a business owner and he brought that acumen to the job. But it was just that it was like you got to have somewhat of a passion for it. And, you know, whether it is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them are driving with, you know, political passion. But, you know, you guys have many and I'm sure you guys have done it. All of our teammates, you know, you're helping everybody out with their foundation, helping people in the community and all that. When you take that aspect of it, that's how it works. You don't need the experience. I can tell you when you look at Capitol Hill, what do you have? Of, what do you have there? You have a bunch of attorneys. And I and I have I half jokingly, but half seriously say there are a bunch of attorneys that won't make partner in a law firm. So they had to find something else to do. <laughs> and what did all these attorneys got us to where we're at? We need new visions in there. And that's really, right. uh, that, that was my approach. And I, I encourage people to do it. But I also say, I said, be careful because it is a dirty, dirty game. And it'll, it'll wear on you, which is part of the reason why I got out of it. I mean, if you guys go and look, um, I had an op-ed in Politico when I actually stepped down and I had a football reference in it. And I, I literally said, I goes, there's too many people in this game to get elected to a Pro Bowl than rather win the Super Bowl. Mm. An individual accolade versus a team accolade. Right. That was really the problem with it because I had been in front of many groups of, of my colleagues. And I literally said, I don't care what my political affiliation is. I can vote any way I want to on any piece of legislation. As long as I'm willing to invest the time to go home and explain it to my constituency, why I voted that way. And I said, most of you people in this room default to principle, if you will, that you won't vote for certain things. I goes, no, this whole thing is a negotiation. And if you reverse engineer the math that goes into actually passing legislation, it's going to tell you where that policy has to be. And they always default to principle. Principle, I goes, no, it's not about principle. It's about doing your job and then go home yeah. and explaining it to people. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So <laughs> NFL veteran, congressman and now doing what you do for the nfl how in the hell did you become an uber driver <laughs> that is pretty this pretty interesting though right that's, well, that's he's that's clearly a service person that clearly oh, I, love a service person. I love it though i love it though disclaimer the uh nfl hr uh department didn't like that i was doing that so i had to step down <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it was that's really awesome. it was really based out of boredom if you will <laughs> so at the time my um 
my two oldest were in college and my youngest one was still in high school, but she's a, she actually plays basketball at Villanova now, but at the time when in high school, so you're talking about those, you know, those spring and summer months. So they'd be traveling all over the country. It'd be her and my wife. And I'm like, I can't pick up and leave the office on a Thursday to drive down to Newport news and hang out there till Tuesday, you know, to watch five basketball games. So I was staying home on the weekends by myself and I'm just sitting there. It's like, so, you know, I'm either going to go hang out with the boys or I'm going to sit here and feed my face, which neither of them are probably good for you on a regular basis. Like, let's try this Uber thing. And I just set it up and I would literally sit there on the, sit there on like a Saturday morning watching TV and, I turn it on and all of a sudden someone ping me for a ride and I start driving around. And next thing you knew, it was one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, you didn't even think about it. There used to be this show called uh, Taxi Cab Confessions. And, yes. And they were in New York and it would be a taxi. It was basically like Uber with a camera, but they would have these uh, Uber, excuse me, taxi cab drivers drive around New York and just pick up, you know, passengers along the way. And they would have the most amazing conversations. Some were like you could see coming. Some were just completely blow your mind. What was like one of the the, the, the greatest conversations you ever had with a with a, a passenger? There, there were um, there were a handful of them. Most most of my time, believe it's not, was nervous energy on my part trying to slouch in my chair so no one tried to figure out who I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know. Once people figured it out, because obviously my picture was on the, was on the app and I was using my first name and all that kind of stuff and that they would figure it out. You know, I would always bust on my, you know, living in the Philly area and it was more locker room banter with a lot of people than it was anything else. Just poking fun at them all the time. There, there wasn't, you know, and they would ask a million questions, but it, it was a lot of it was football related. Unfortunately, though, you know, after getting out of politics, I kind of had to stay up on both sports and politics because I would get the questions just to have a conversation. So right, right. try to avoid politics because you never know where somebody's going to come from with all of that stuff. But, you know, it, it was it was a lot of fun. You got to meet some people. And, you know, to that point, though, I tried to uh, I tried to get off the road by 1130 at night, 12 o'clock. So you didn't have to deal with all the people leaving the clubs mm-hmm. after after yeah. hours because that's a nightmare. <laughs> Nothing good comes after midnight. That's what the coaches used to say. John, I got to know, though. Sorry, Peanut. Were you an Uber X driver, Uber XL, Uber Black? Like, what kind of car were you picking Ooh, up? And yeah. I got to know. John Runyon's picking me up in an Uber XL. You don't look like he was in a Prius. Yeah, no. yeah. I don't think he's in the regular Uber X. I just don't yeah. think he can take this to another level, and it wasn't the most efficient thing. I was driving a GMC uh, Sierra Duramax crew cab, so a diesel oh. crew cab pickup truck. Yes, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Real deal truck. Yes. Only I, mean, I would get that comment all the time. It's like, wow, I've never been picked up in a pickup truck for an Uber. <laughs> right? That's exactly what I would say. Those things are massive. So how did you uh, – so NFL, whatever, you know, they, they, they told you they didn't want you to do that anymore. How did you get into the position that you're in right now with the NFL? You know, it was just one of those uh, scenarios. So, um, you know, many – of and I know you guys know, but Troy Vincent is the executive vice president of football operations – Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was um, I was looking at some other jobs, um, 
player engagement jobs around the league at the club level. Mm-hmm. And Troy actually used to run that department at the NFL before he became EVP. So there was one club asked me to write the uh, job description because they didn't have a job description. And I turned it around in about, you know, 30 hours, but I sent it to Detroit to look over to say, does this kind of fit what you're, you know, how you set that department up before you, you know, moved on. And he didn't really move on. He's actually above it and oversees it now, but he was running it before. And he, he only changed a couple words in it. And he goes, you know, by the way, he goes, I might have a position up here for you. And he goes, when's this interview going to happen? I goes next week. And I'm like, he's like, it's going to take me some time. So needless to say, nine months went by before <laughs> Troy actually <laughs> said, I think I have, I really think I have a position for you. So again, to go back to the relationship thing, Troy and I played in Philly for quite a few years in the early 2000s. Right. So it was, it was yeah, something yeah. where, we knew each other and actually Troy a couple times actually came down when I was in office and talked about team building and leadership skills and all that and kind of how they transferred over into, into government and all that stuff. So, you know, we had, we had always kind of been in touch. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a big stretch and he knew how I was wired. So it wasn't anything new and it was just an opportunity. I, I, I had to jump at you, right? Cause I'm still in the game. And I'm still shepherding the game for the next generation. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. But like anything else, yeah, there's a lot of long hours involved in it. But you know what? It's worth doing because it, it's something I'm passionate about. And I want to see, uh, you know, my son plays for the Packers now. So, oh, boo, boo. No, no. I want to be able to, no. you know, be able to, you know create this game, make this game no. better. And, you know, hopefully at some point, maybe my grandson is around and has an opportunity to play in the league. John, that's that's a, that's a terrible team your son plays for. You know that, right? I'm a I'm a I'm a long time Bears guy. That's like that's like the Cowboys. Like you, that is we don't even say Packers on the show. We say that green team. That's all right. I well, say Packers. I don't hate the Packers. Well, I think it's a beautiful place to play. Love the Lambeau Field. The whole nostalgia behind it all. I'm a big Packers guy. That's because you went to New like Orleans it. and y'all don't really have a rival. Like it's, we don't. It's okay. Like so I, I like the Packers. The, the odd thing is, you know, going to the University of Michigan. We actually used to get. We had a tally in the weight room. Anytime you walked into the facility with green on, obviously Michigan State. Right. They put a tally mark on the board. And that, <laughs> that was a that was a, uh, a 60 yard sprint on the last day of conditioning in the offseason. Every time really? you walked into the facility what? with green. So green was not allowed in the facility. <laughs> you know, and then in 2000, I signed with the Eagles. Now I'm wearing green. And now my son's wearing green. So it was something. And he went to Michigan, too, where green wasn't allowed. So it's just like we all end up in green at the end of the day. That's kind of full circle. That's pretty cool. All right. We're going to uh, take a quick break and we'll come back with some quick hitter questions for John. Y'all stay tuned. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., 
That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. I, I just want to know, like, John, like, you never took a break, bro. You retired. You went straight into this. You've never taken a break. There was, um, so I got a, I got an office in January 15. I started a little business development firm. I was doing, you know, I was making three, $4,000 a month doing it on my own. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like, do I want to grow this or do I want to do something else? And there was a couple, there was actually a couple openings on, um, on WIP on the radio. And I actually went back to that guy and said, Hey, I think I want to get back into radio. And he said, okay. He goes, so he put me on the morning team on Monday and Friday. I did the player show, the two player shows on Monday night and the Eagles pregame show on the radio. And I did television on Sunday night after the game, but I did that for, you know, that nine to 10 month period where Troy was kind of dragging his feet. So, (laughs) but you know, I got back into that. So that that was really the only, and that was my thing to your point. I was like, that was your time off to like, just not (laughs) do anything, be running around. 
So, John, you were uh, drafted in 96, right? Correct, yeah. All right. First thing you purchase. What's the first thing you splurged on? A pickup truck. <laughs> A pickup truck. All right. Uh, favorite <clears throat> favorite moment playing in the NFL? Favorite moment playing in the NFL? Uh, the unfortunate part is a lot of the bad ones stick out to you. <laughs> you know, and I, unfortunately, again, I think I lost two Super Bowls. I think I was more – I was Me more – <laughs> I was more excited, you know, when we, you know, the, the weird one. Um, so I was playing for the Titans and we actually beat Jacksonville in the uh, AFC championship game down there that, and they were in the division. So that was the third time we beat them that year. That was probably the best, the best feeling because the next time we won the NFC championship in Philly, I just kind of walked off the field. I'm like, Hey, we got one more game to win. Let's not, let's not get caught up in all this stuff. and Let's go do this. So it, right. it was, it was probably that first AFC championship win. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, your personal Mount Rushmore of people that have been successful in helping you get to where you are right now, who are those four people? My parents, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dude. just spoke to my mother last night. So that's two of them. Um, both of them, um, my wife, the stuff she has helped me with, I mean, talk about, you know, that, that was a big part of going into politics. Hey, I'm not going to be around. You got to be okay with this. You know, and we yeah. had three yeah. kids and, you know, one in high school and two in junior high and, you know, junior high elementary age. So that, that, that was another big one. Um, you know, people, you know, coach Reed, one of the most supporting, humble, honest people you'll ever meet. You could bounce anything off of them to this day. If I called him right now, he'd pick up on the second ring, you know, and that, that, that that's a huge part of it. Um, and, and, and as far as people that I, for, I look up to, and I know he's going to hate this, but Troy Vincent, man, I mean, you watch that guy leads by example, mm-hmm. you can't argue with it. And he, he probably, he doesn't, I don't, I probably don't tell him enough how much I appreciate him and how much I respect what he does and how he carries himself. It's just something awesome. Fill in the blank. My life right now is. My life right now is awesome. You know, my, my kids are, my kids are killing it. I think that's the number one goal. I half jokingly mess with my kids all the time. I said, my goal is to get you off daddy's payroll. No doubt. You know, and giving them every opportunity to make themselves successful to get it, get them off of it. So, yeah, obviously, you know, my son playing there, playing in, in Green Bay. I got my oldest daughter's in grad school. My youngest daughter's playing basketball at Villanova, and she's in the nursing school. I mean, it's all in front of them. We did a lot for the last 20 years to get them all there. Now it's really on them, and, and it's it's exciting to watch. John, I feel like we can do a whole other podcast on just how to get your kids off the payroll. Like that is a goal of most parents, especially fathers. How do I get these kids off the payroll eventually? Um, you're a great example of that. Um, and a pleasure to have you on today, too, man. Just hearing everything, your angles, the way you talk about life, um, your knowledge and experience of all these different things that you've been able to do and accomplish, man. It's really cool. Uh, I, nobody really has the experience that you've had that I know of through that's played NFL and been able to do this journey and path, man. You're just a true serviceman. 
when uh, I, I grew up watching you with the Eagles all those years, and I just did not know the personality behind the helmet. And this is probably one of the best things that we get to uh, when we get to sit down and talk to you guys is just really see who you are genuinely as a person outside the helmet, who you have grown up to be as a man. I give a credit, a lot of credit to your parents. I can tell you were raised right. And all you've done is just pass the torch on to the next generation. So I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, and it's really, you know, many people, I used to say this on the, on the uh, campaign trail all the time. I goes, when you talk about work ethic, people ask where you got it from. My dad was a UAW auto worker, man. Uh, Blue collar, Flint, Michigan. You know, that's where I grew up. And you talk about a guy working six, seven days a week, 14 to 16 hours a day. You didn't see him a lot. And when you spent time with him, guess where you were at? You were under the tree in the back working on cars because he right. wasn't going to send right. somebody else fix it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And to be able to have those, you know, be able to work with these things and all of that kind of stuff, but understand what it took to actually support a family and get everybody heading in the right direction is, is one of the most awesome things that I continually instill in my children and try to share with other people. Yeah, that's, that's dope. John, I got, I got one more question for you. How important was it for you when you left the game to put that energy into something positive? You know what? It, I think your, your, your positive outlook on life is really controlled by you. All, mm-hmm. A lot of the influences we have day in and day out, it's all negative. It's all negative. And you got to be able to shut it out. I actually, I take a kind of a, a sick, demented twist on humor, you know, um, with, with everything online. We and, do. and we try to spin it in a positive or poke fun at people and that kind of stuff. It is really, really hard. But you really have to take a conscious effort to actually day in and day out. When you're having that bad day, there are affirmations you can put in your head that'll change your view of that day in a second, but you have to train yourself to be able to do that and open that book up and read those affirmations. And that, that is one of the biggest things that I've learned specifically going through, you know, the agony of the political arena and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. is to be able to know I'm on this downward trend. I have to step away, open up, look at those affirmations and goes, this is why I'm doing this. This is who I am. And these are the people that I care and care about and love. And I've got to change my view in this moment. Otherwise it's going to affect everyone else I care about. Hey, John, you said something right there. I got to have, I got a follow-up question. So when you were in that arena of politics for so long, that the times that you were, what was something that you felt that you just knew you had, but was found out it was really your biggest disappointment while you were up there? Something that really almost took you to that dark place. Uh, could you maybe share with us one of your experiences of that moment? You know, I, I, I want to say the one thing that I regret about it, and I did it a few times, but it was forced um, mm-hmm. on me a little bit. And it's the psychology of humans and dealing with people and communicating with people. And I knew it, but I didn't use it to the best of my ability because of my stature. You know, you know, I'm six, seven at that time, I was probably 310 pounds still. I'm in the two nineties now, but of using that, that presence to actually influence people, I didn't do enough. Right. I did it on occasion, 
but it was yeah. something that just the site and, it, and it's not overt, you know, psychology, it's covert psychology, just your presence mm-hmm. of going up and talking to people and trying to get them to come on board with mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff to the speech I was talking about earlier. It's like, yeah, when people are lazy. You don't communicate with your constituents. And that's what it was really about. And a lot of people bought into that. That actually got a standing ovation by a lot of people that understood what I was saying, believe it or not. And I didn't do that enough. Oh, okay. I had to know you, you, so you shared so much to us and, you know, you talk about those at positive affirmations, you know, we, you, we learned a lot from you today. Peanut can probably hit you with a quote right now. He, he has all kinds of affirmations and quotes that he just spits out. And he can tell you when and from who all the time. Yeah, I had my I had my quote of the day today. What was it? Um, never ruin a good day by thinking about a bad yesterday. Mm, mm. I like yes. it. I like it. Rome, hit us with a quote. <laughs> and it can't be from Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you ain't first, you're last. Okay. That's, that's All right, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Ricky Bobby, come on. This is easy. It's, I got to know what the people got. You know, I got to go with what the people know. I want to go fast. Oh, my God. You're not I first, you're last. I can't believe that's you just it. said that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look, John, we appreciate you coming on the show, man. I um, I found yeah. out more about you than than what I thought. I, I didn't know. And I, I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. And, yes, I myself have lost two Super Bowls as well. And it still hurts every single day. Yeah. Well, those, those championship rings never come out of the safe. I can tell you that. No, God, no. <laughs> people ask you all the time, like, don't you have, why don't you wear them? I'm like, they're the second, second place, second place ring. ring. Like, I don't want to wear it. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm sorry. It's, it's just not, if, if, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying this to talk bad about anyone who, who got a, a silver medal in the Olympics. I just, <laughs> It's not, it's not gold. I'm sorry. That's just me. That's just, that's just me. That's how I think I'm super hyper competitive. No disrespect to anyone with a, a silver medal. I, I respect it. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. But uh, it just, it sucks. It, it definitely sucks. Agreed. All right. Well, as the one guy that has a Super Bowl ring on this podcast right now, I'm going to close it out. All right. So appreciate you, John. Thanks, Peanut, as always. Don't forget to tell your people about the show and give a rating, a review and a follow on Apple Podcasts, iHeart or wherever else you get your podcast at. Thank you so much for listening. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
way. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.